Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. As we start our service today, we're going to give you a moment to practice the rule of life. As we just slow down, bow our heads in silence and solitude for about 30 seconds. So that we can hear from the Lord and from the Word. Just let all the ruminating, automatic thoughts, circumstances, and situations that are weighing heavy on your heart and mind and bring it to the feet of the Lord and lay it before Him. And inhale the promise that when we supplicate, our anxieties on him, he will give us a peace that transcends all understanding. Jesus Calling, June 4th, Sarah Young's devotional. Welcome challenging times as opportunities to trust me. You have me beside you and my spirit within you. So no set of circumstances is too much for you to handle. When the path before you is dotted with difficulties. Beware of measuring your strength against those challenges. The calculation is certain to riddle you with anxiety. Without me, you wouldn't pass the first hurdle. The way to walk through demanding days is to grip my hand tightly and stay in close communication with me. Let your thoughts and your spoken words be richly favored with trust and thankfulness regardless of the day's problems. I can keep you in perfect peace as you stay close to me. All God's people pray. Amen. Hello, hello. This is on. Wonderful. It is once again amazing how much things sometimes come together between Pastor Lydia's worship set and that devotional because definitely... The last couple of days, I have been leaning on God to prevent anxiety from taking over. In that, uh, in that theme, you guys will have to once again excuse me if I read a little bit more off of my script than I normally would. Anyway, uh, the last time I was up here, which did kind of feel like a little bit a while ago, um, we talked about the difference between desires and goals. And in his book, uh, Victory Over the Darkness, Neil Anderson makes a huge distinction between the two. And I think it's a distinction that all of us really do need to understand, internalize, really come to grips with. And so when we're talking about goals, we're talking about things, anything specific, any specific orientation that reflects our purpose for our lives that is not dependent on people or circumstances beyond our ability to control. So in that light, a goal is something that 
we can control. It's something firmly within our hands and our hands alone. By contrast, a desire is any result that does depend on the cooperation of other people, the success of events, or favorable circumstances that we have no right or ability to control. For example, if we can put this first picture up, we can set a goal of being healthier, stronger, more in, more in shape, and in furtherance of that goal, we can go to the gym, we can work out, we can eat clean, bro, we can do all these different things to improve our physical condition, and the only person standing in that way is us. And believe me, I know, sometimes the first hurdle that we have to get out of our own way from is to just simply go to the gym and sign up, and that's one that I've been putting off for a little while, but I digress. It's nothing to say about actually going, but yeah, you're the only person staying in the way of your goal if your goal is to get in better shape. On the other hand, it could be your desire to do something like win an Ironman race or something like that. You can train, you can get yourself a lightweight racing bike, you can learn all kinds of running and swimming techniques, and you can walk in that first day, you know, that day of the Ironman competition, and you can say, oh, there is some serious competition here. Let's put this other picture up. Because it's not about how well you do. It's not only about how well you do, but it's also about how well everybody else is doing. Because is this a local competition? Is it just people in your neighborhood? Or is this some kind of world-class event where some Ironman professional has shown up and you're not the guy in front there, you're actually the guy in second place? Sometimes, we can do all the things. We can do everything we can possibly can, but we can still sometimes miss out on those desires. It's just as a wise French winemaker once said, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness, that is life. Sometimes in life, our desires just don't pan out because it's not up to us alone. And this is why we can't form our identity in our desires and sometimes even our goals. It's a danger to establish our identity in those things. But now that we have kind of like the difference between goals and desires in mind, let's take a step further. In our walk in faith with Christ, we can go from simple goals and desires, our goals and desires, which honestly, sometimes God will get in the way of. Sometimes he will impede those things for our ultimate benefit. But we can go from those simple goals and desires to godly goals and desires. And this is how Anderson uh, describes these, if we can put these up. A godly goal is any specific orientation that reflects God's purpose for our lives and is not dependent on people or circumstances beyond our ability to control. The only person who can block a godly goal or render it uncertain or impossible is ourselves. A godly desire is any result that depends on the cooperation of other people, the success of events, or favorable circumstances that we have no right or ability to control. We cannot base our success or sense of worth on our desires, no matter how godly they may be, because we cannot control all the circumstances and people necessary to fulfill them. So yes, even godly desires, they may be delayed, they may be blocked, they may be interrupted, and they may never come true. But even with godly desires that are interrupted, sometimes that is God working to grow us and mature us. Paul writes in Romans 5, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love 
has been poured out onto our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So even in godly desires, we may be interrupted. So because desires might be interrupted, let's take it back a step. Let's just work on what it takes to develop godly goals, what it takes to be aligned to that. Because we talked about it in, um, in Jeremiah. God has his plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans to um, give us hope and a future. But when we think about that, what we think of hope and a future, what we think of prospering means, might differ significantly from what God knows will prosper us, what God knows will give us hope and a future. And Anderson talks about the guidelines for leading a proper walk in Christ. Having those godly goals is all about aligning our perspective to God's perspective. It's making sure that they're in line with one another. So Anderson talks about a number of different things that will help us to reflect God's purpose for our lives. Let's put these eight words up here. All of these things can have a significant impact on how you achieve your goals, right? Success, significance, fulfillment, happiness, satisfaction, fun, security, peace. All of these things have an effect on how we achieve our goals. And if we're going to look at these things from a worldly perspective for a moment, what do we, come, what do we get? How would you go about defining achieving your goals of success and significance? Maybe it means you have that high-powered job. Maybe it means you're a CEO somewhere. Maybe it means being an influential leader in your field. Maybe it's when people think of medicine, they think of you as the person that pioneered this surgery, something along those lines. When we think about being fulfilled and satisfied, maybe it means having a big house or a nice penthouse apartment on Central Park West. Maybe it's a fine wardrobe or good meals. Maybe it's having a family to take pride in or leaving a legacy that will last long after you're gone. How about happiness and fun? It's the summertime. Everybody's going on vacation, right? We all have places that we want to go. We want to go see the far and wide places of the world. We want to go check out the 23 greatest food markets in the world. I hear that Hong Kong has the number one food markets on the street. Um, maybe it's just going to a lounge in a club and hanging out till 3 o'clock in the morning and seeing where, where the night takes us. That sounds like fun, right? What about peace and security? I think that one's the easiest one. Who doesn't want a big bank account where they don't have to worry about where tomorrow's bills are going to get paid from? Who doesn't want a nice 401k that's not going to get shaken up when the, the market sneezes and everything jitters and crypto collapses and all the stuff like that? My friends at work and I, we joke all the time. We're going to go play Powerball tonight. We're all going to win. And then we're all going to call in sick tomorrow. And we're going to quit. We're all going to be there. Nobody's going to beat the courthouse tomorrow. It's going to be done. I'm sure there are also plenty of other ways that we can define all of these things. And they're very worldly things that will satisfy. But again, we're talking about God's goals. How do we align to godly goals? What does that look like? And again, Anderson goes over these. I'm not going to just verbatim read what he said because I want you guys to read the book. I'm not just going to do cliff notes for you guys every week because you may grab something from this that I can't think because it speaks to you more directly. But what I can do is looking at these different things that Anderson describes, when we look at these and when we look at biblical figures who have been aligned to God's goals for their lives, I think we can see how we can be aligned to God's godly goals in our lives. And it breaks down into two separate things, two different forms. So let's put up this first set of words. Okay, 
Success. Anderson actually breaks success down into three things. I think two of them work here. Knowing God in his ways. Obviously, you can't be aligned to God's goals if you don't know who God is. That's very foundational. He also describes it as becoming the person who God created you to be. I mean, again, we know that God is our creator. He is the one who designed us. We are wonderfully and fearfully made by God. So we have to know who he created us to be in order to be successful, in order to be aligned to God's goals. Happiness. Anderson describes that as wanting what you have, not always looking at the next thing down the line, thinking, oh, this is wonderful, but tomorrow I've got to go for something better. It's having that happiness in what you already have. Next is security, relating to the eternal. It's not things that are temporary, because a lot of the things that we can go after in this world are temporary. Yes, we can go on vacation today. We can go on a vacation for three weeks, but the problem is when those three weeks are done, we still got to come back here. Temporary, right? Let's go for something that is eternal. And peace, establishing that internal order because we cannot find peace in the things outside. We cannot find peace in the world. It is only through knowledge of who God is in our lives and that relationship with him that we can actually have peace. Now, how do we see this happening in the Bible? How do we see this actually taking place? We go to the first uh, chapter of the book of Joshua. And Joshua is Moses' aide. He was Moses' right-hand man. And at this point, Moses has died. And Joshua is taking over. And I think from this passage, we can see a lot of what God is doing to establish his goals for Joshua. So reading from verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the left or to the right that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So God is speaking his plan for Joshua and for the Israelites. God is aligning Joshua to God's goals, and he's doing it in a lot of the ways that Anderson talked about. We can see that God is already helping Joshua to know who God is. Joshua already has experience with God, knowing his character. You see, he was with Moses and where God has promised things to the Israelites, and he has followed through on those promises. So Joshua already knows, and he's being aligned to know who God is. He's also beginning to be aligned with who God created him to be. You see God speaking to Joshua over and over again like a broken record. Be strong and very courageous. 
He is speaking to him that you are to be strong. This is who I created you to be, to be strong, to be create courageous, to be a leader, to not be swayed by the things that are going on. Uh, let's see, what else? Once again, I'm a little scatterbrained today. Um, God is speaking a goal of happiness over Joshua. He's telling him to be satisfied with what he has because God is giving him all these things. And God is promising that I will continue to grow you. I will give you this land. And when you read through the book of Joshua, you actually see that God explains to him, I'm not going to give you the whole thing all at once because you would lose it. It would be too much for you. So I will give you a piece by piece by piece. And with every piece, Joshua was happy with it because it was given to him by the Lord. He is satisfied with what he has. God speaks security over Joshua. And again, relating to the eternal, God made his promises to the Israelites. And Joshua has been seeing these promises go on and on and on. And he sees God's character in how this will work, how this will continue to go. And he's establishing, he's speaking peace over Joshua, knowing that God is in control. Again, he's seen God's character. He knows God's character. He knows that God is faithful in what he says, and he can rest in that peace. When things are going crazy out there, because if you're a small nation like the Israelites and you're going into a land that is your ancestral homeland that has been promised to you, and things don't always look like they're going to work, when you have that internal security, knowing that God is sovereign over things, you can be at peace rather than be frazzled and scatterbrained and just panicking. And all of these things that God is doing to align Joshua to his goals, they're all working internally. There is nothing external about any of this. It all starts internally. All of these things stem from an internal relationship with God. And for us, it's very similar. When God speaks his goals over us, when we align ourselves to the goals that God has for us, it starts with who God is in our lives, that strong protector, that rock on whom we can rely who he's calling us to be, because again, he is the one that created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our full potential of who we can be in him, and he wants, us to, he wants to see us reach that. He wants us to meditate on who he is, to know him deeply. He wants us to not run out after the things that we might want, because he knows what will actually satisfy us. We just are, how did Kanye put it? I know Kanye is kind of a touchy subject nowadays, but he was right on one thing. I'm really good at finding the thing I don't want, don't like. I think it's something like that. I don't know. Close enough. You guys get what I'm saying, right? It's all of those things that come internally. And peace. You guys are smart. You guys know you're never going to find peace in the world. If I got to really tell you that, guys, come on. You, you know this world is not going to give you peace. But that relationship with God, that internal relationship with God, knowing his character, knowing his care and his desires for you. That will bring peace. I'll never forget many, many years ago when we were still meeting in a basement in Staten Island. I don't even think we were in Manhattan yet. We were just starting to make our own movies and do our own uh, films and such. And we were de de debuting one on the 180 Live. And it was going to be a big event. We had hyped it up for a while. And there we were ready to make it happen, ready to start service. But the problem was the film wasn't done rendering yet. It was still like showing an hour away from being finished. 
and it was still at the church office, which Staten Island traffic was probably a half hour away. So here we are, ready to start service. Film might be an hour and a half away. Me personally, I am absolutely panicking. I am totally frazzled by it all because, oh my God, we, 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 how, how, that's exactly what I was like, just a stuttering, muttering mess. On the other hand, Dr. Sammy, cool as a cucumber. For those of you guys that don't know that reference, because I know I make a lot of euphemisms that some people don't get, that means he was like, this is fine. It's all good. God's in control. I'm looking at him, I was like, how is this dude like so calm about this? This is a disaster. But Doc, from his relationship with God, from knowing God's character, from knowing his identity in God, and knowing that God had all of this worked out, he was ready to go with the flow and however it was going to go. Yes, the desire may be to show this movie, but the reality is God's goal is to be for, for God to be glorified in that moment. If we got to do it live with the actors you know, from the film just talking about what they did, hey, it'll work. And sure enough, Doc was cool, calm and collected about it. And somehow that hour and a half turned into about, what, 10, 15 minutes? And we started everything on time and nothing was, was wrong. It was incredible. That's what happens when you have all of these internal things aligned to God's goal, when you are relying on God for your identity, to have peace, to be happy, to be successful. All of these things, when they're aligned to God, none of the external things are going to rock you. They're not going to shake you because you have all of that done internally. And that's my first point. As we're talking about how we can turn goals into godly goals and realign our, God, our goals to God's goals, it's this. We have to, aligning to God's goals begins internally. There has to be a foundation. Jesus said, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like one who built his house on the rock, and it would not fall when the rains came. That's what it means to have your goals internally aligned to God. Just as Joshua did, just as Doc did, just as a lot of people do. And if you're looking at somebody that is like cool under pressure, especially when they know Christ, it is because they have their internal goals aligned to God's goals. So my question for you guys today, are your goals internally lining up with God's goals for you? Are you still trying to first live goals externally while you're being rocked internally? See, it's my prayer for all of us here, including me, that we would be aligned to God's ways internally, or at least be on that path to internal alignment before we start to live too many of those goals externally. Definitely before we try to live our goals externally, because our goals may not happen, but definitely before we're living God's goals so that we know his character, that we know who he is in our lives. And from that overflow, we can live God's goals externally. But again, doesn't start with doesn't stop with the internal. Anderson has still more ways that we need to be aligned to God's goals. And I think you guys can see where I'm going next because I'm already talking about the internal. I think you guys know where we're going next. So let's put these up. The third way that um, Anderson talks about significance is doing, whoa, I missed something here. All right, so I didn't put it up there, but it's success is being a good steward of all that God has entrusted to us. You guys remember the parable of the talents. God gave 10 talents to one, five talents to another, one talent to another. And the one that had 10 talents, he externally went and made more. 
God said, good and faithful servant, come and join your master's excess. Same thing with the five talent one. The last one was not a good steward. He just buried it in the ground and gave the master back that one. That's not being a good steward. Being a good steward is going out and using what God has given you. Uh, significance, doing what will last. Again, this kind of relates to you know living for the, for the eternal. Not doing things that are just going to last for a little while, but things that will have a legacy, that carry on long after we have finished. He talks about fulfillment, blooming where you're planted. We can't always be looking at our lives and saying, you know what, I'd be a heck of a lot better if I was over there or if I was doing that instead of being where I'm at. Again, this kind of flows from the internal, you know, being satisfied with what you have, being satisfied with where God has placed you and being a good steward in that place. Satisfaction. Anderson says that this is about raising the quality. And honestly, this is about quality over quantity. How many of you guys have heard the saying, it's better to have one good friend than a thousand fair weather friends. It's all about that quality of where we're at. Thank you for updating that. You guys are awesome. And the last one is fun, uninhibited spontaneity. Now, me personally, I always have a little bit of trouble with this one because I am such a J when it comes to my Myers-Briggs. I need everything to be in order and I don't do spontaneity very well. But Anderson says that this is all about not being bound by unscriptural inhibitors. We see Jesus, he had no problem partying with the sinners and with the broken and the people that the, the high priests and the teachers of the law said, no, you're not supposed to. And Jesus said, I'm gonna, because these are the people I'm here for. You see people that take, you know, that, that have a very, very law-bound view of Christianity that say, no, you're not supposed to do certain things. And I say, heck, I'm still going to go play Dungeons and Dragons with my friend. That's not a path to the devil or anything like that. That's how I connect with them. Right? So again, these are more to do with external things. Once you have been internally aligned to God, once you're internally, those godly goals are being set, now you can begin to live God's goals externally. And we turn to Apostle Paul as one example of someone who did this really, really well. This is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. And if we can put that up. So starting from verse 12, this is what Paul writes. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. For I know that through your prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound 
on account of me. Again, Paul is doing all of these things that Anderson talks about because his external goals are aligned to God. Is Paul being a good steward of all that God has entrusted with him? Absolutely. Everywhere he goes, even by life and by death, he says he is working to exalt God. Even when he thinks it would be better to just die and go home to Christ, because that means no more suffering, no more pain. He says, I am willing to go through with this. I am willing to do more. And he's even making an impact on the palace guards that are guarding him. Because again, remember, at this time, he's in Rome. He is a prisoner for the gospel. Does he have a mind to do what will last, what will be significant? Absolutely. Again, he continues to preach the gospel, not only to those that he's around, but to those that are in the churches that he's planted and that he's visited so that they would remain faithful in Christ. Is he finding fulfillment in the goals that God has set for him? Absolutely. Again, even though he's in chains in Rome, he's blooming where he's planted, wherever he goes, whether it is in freedom or in captivity. He is proclaiming the good news of the gospel. He is speaking that to others. And he has done that throughout his entire life to the point where even when he could have broken out of jail, he stayed in jail. And the person that was guarding him that was going to commit suicide because he thought, oh my gosh, I let these people go. It's better for me to be dead. Paul said, no, we are still here. And that guard came to know who Christ was. Is he satisfied with what he's done? Yes. And he wants to do more. It's not about the quantity of what he has done, but it is about the quality of what he has done in the church. And is he having fun? Eh, that I don't think so. But when you define fun as removing those unscriptural inhibitors, when you have that uninhibited spontaneity, yes, Paul did do that. Because when he wanted to go to uh, Asia, modern-day Turkey, to preach the gospel. God said, no, I am changing the plan. I want you to go preach somewhere else. So, again, when Paul got that block from Asia, he detoured to Macedonia. He was not in, inhibited by this idea that, oh, I have to do it this way. It's like, hey, this is the new plan. Okay, let's go. We got this. All of this flows because internally he's accepted God's goals for him. He can now live those goals externally in the world around him. He's not rocked by his detours, whether it's being imprisoned, whether it's being redirected from one place to the other. God's given him a peace and a measure of eternal security because he knows what he is doing is going to stand the test of time, obviously because we're still talking about him, right? How many of us would love to have people talk about us 2,000 years after we've died, right? That's living for the eternal. So all of this, all of this is living the goals that God has set for Paul externally, and this is what God calls us to do. And that's my second point, if we can put that up here. As we are aligned internally, we can live God's goals externally. Once we've aligned ourselves to God's goals for us, or as we are being aligned to them, because faith is sinuous, Faith is a journey. It's that long and winding road, as Doc said. It's not a straight line. There are going to be times when we're flying in it, and there's going to be times where we feel like we're regressing, where we're living the highs on the mountaintops, and we're down low in the valleys. Where, as we are being aligned to God's goals, we will start to live them both internally and externally in different measure. There are going to be times where we are 
being faithful to God's plans. We're blooming where we're planted. We're being a great representative to him, which is all external. But internally, we are just screaming in terror and we're not doing so great at that security thing because, oh my God, how the heck is this going to work out? It happens like that. But we're on that journey of faith, that journey of being aligned to God's goals. It is a lifelong journey. And it's fine to struggle in this, to go back and forth with it. But as we're aligning our goals to God's goals, we will start to see change inside of us and outside in the world. I mentioned that I'm a little scatterbrained today. I mentioned that um, I'm going to be reading this a lot more. And in part, it's because over the last few weeks, work has been absolutely bonkers. And I have talked with some of the guys over the shenanigans that happened last Friday and the shenanigans that have just happened this past Friday. I'm not going to go too into it, but it was to the point where uh, I think maybe around six o'clock in the morning when I was six hours into a shift that started at midnight where I should have been at home sleeping, I texted uh, or sent an email to Dr. Sammy and said, hey, Work is being crazy right now. I don't know if I'm going to be able to preach tomorrow. Can you have one in the can just ready to go just in case? Every day I go to work, I have a desire for everything to go smoothly. That has not happened in a couple of days. But I have a goal of representing Christ well. And thankfully, because of the work God has done in me, the leading he has done in me, starting to know his character, definitely from the help that I have received from people like Dr. Sammy in seeing how they react, or rather respond, how they have been aligned to God. I'm starting to grow in all of that. I'm starting to grow to align my goals to God's goals, both internally and externally. And yes, there were definitely times where externally, I'm like, it is what it is. This is fine. We'll make it work. And internally, I'm just like, oh, God. It happens. But God is with us on that journey of faith. And that's the beauty of being aligned to God's goals. Internally and externally, his goals are so much higher than ours. His goals are so much bigger than ours. And they lead to huge results. Internally, in who we are becoming in Christ. Externally, how we affect the world around us how we can lead others, and how that can lead to them knowing who Christ is by our witness as we are aligning our goals to God's goals. So my question for you guys, are your external goals being aligned to God's goals? And are you living from the overflow of that internal to the external? It's my prayer that as all of us begin to understand who we are in Christ, who Christ is to us, all of these internal things, as we begin to get those set in our lives, that we can live in that overflow and live out God's goals in the world. And that will make a change that is better than anything that we can imagine on our own. So would you guys stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a living presence in our lives. Even when we don't yet know you, you are working to introduce yourself to us. You are working to make the change in our lives, to be a presence 
in our lives. I pray, God, that as we go forth from here today, we would begin to understand who you are and who you're calling us to be and all of the internal ways that we need to align our goals to you. And from that, we would experience peace beyond understanding and that we would be able to live the external goals that you call us to, to make a difference in this world for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're in the midst of two series Stu is giving on the book, uh, Neil Anderson, The Concepts of Identity in Christ. And Paul is working through Nowen's, Henry Nowen's idea of the discipline, the spiritual directions and disciplines. I think Stu here gives us a good foundation in Anderson's work, Victory Over Darkness. Now, Stu gave me a lot of credit today, but I have to say that in turbulent times where my peace personally comes from is I read Anderson's book when I was 16 a hundred times. So I basically know it by verbatim, like, you know, I can, and what Anderson's book is all about. I mean, all of you who are into Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram, all taking tests about who you are. How many people addicted to these kind of tests? You're like, you can go on forever and ever, talk about yourself, discover yourself. You just love yourself a lot. And, um, but that's what Neil Anderson's book is about. It's about who you are in Christ. The thing is, no amount of success, no amount of achievement, no amount of anything can give you your identity. That is imputed to you it's given to you just like you can't earn your name someone names you before you're even born and that's why identity is the the single most predominant and important theme of someone's life if anyone says i know who i am jesus didn't know who he was until he was really 30 so if you're still struggling with who you are and tempted and seduced by overthinking, overfunctioning, sometimes for me, overeating, you know? And why disciplines are important is because you can't live out who you are in Christ without the disciplines, right? Because you're seduced by proving who you are to the world, to yourself, to everybody else. And so those that, that tension is so important. So this is how I like to say it in layman terms. Everybody is born a six. Tell someone next to you, you're a six. <laughs> you're like, what, that's it, I'm a six? Yeah, basically, you're a six. Some people are seven. Like, you know, the symmetry is just like ridiculous. Some people could be a seven, but that's a stretch. Everybody is a six. The other four, is discipline. You just being born and you being conceived out of your mother's womb is a miracle. It's God's destiny for you. The other four of men is all work. It's the discipline of not over-functioning, not overeating, and not overthinking. And your achievements and what the outcomes are, even if you had a perfect IQ and a perfect life, the outcomes could never be determined because the future is dependent upon a very delicate sense of initial conditions and the variables you can't control. 
And so those are the two themes that we're trying to grapple with. So no amount of overachieving is going to give you your identity. It's going to be, as Stu's preaching on, who God says you are, a child of God. In Nauman's terms, he would call it, you're the beloved. Why? Because you're his son. You're his daughter. So today, will you pray with me? And let's lift your hands. Let's lift our hands to the Lord together and receive the blessing of our identity and our name and our confidence that could only come from the Father. And of course, we're going to weather through the storms. We're going to overthink, at times overeat and over even overfunction because we're going to try to prove who we are. And that's why you need to hear who you are in relationship to the Father constantly, over and over again. We, are, we never outgrow being a child of God. And in the court of public opinion and in turbulent times, that voice will become the anchor of our lives. Let's pray today. Father, we want to pray today as Jesus experienced in his baptism. We want to be baptized by your spirit and by the affirmation that you have for us every day. This is not something we can outwork. This is something we must receive. And that's how the tension of grace and works function in the spiritual life. There are parts that can never be achieved through works, but only grace. And there are other parts that could be only achieved through works and not grace. God's part and our part. So let's make this our prayer. Let's make this our prayer. You know.
So Holy Spirit, we come before you this afternoon. Help us not work in areas that we can never achieve, that it's literally futile. Help us not allow our work or our doing to determine our being. Help us not chase our tail or the wind all our lives. Because we hear the parable of dissatisfaction of everyone that becomes famous or rich and says that at the top of that first mountain is emptier than when you fail. So for those of us who live in this gigantic city, let's settle that today. Your identity and your worth and your value as the beloved is a non-negotiable, not because of what you've done, but because who you belong to. Once that's settled, there is nothing that can shake who you are, which then gives you confidence to take risks for your own future, for your own flourishing, and for God's kingdom. But there are the places where I believe Christians are very lax in the disciplines. For those of us who continue to struggle about our value, about who we are in this world, in the studies say that we do as a society, depression, suicide ideation, therapeutics, culture. And the church, for us to be a witness, for, to be a light, this issue through discipline, that tension of doing the work to go to God when we don't want to, to pray when we don't feel like it, to go to church when it's hard, to confess to our brothers and sisters in our weakness. Those disciplines are given to us as gifts so that we can live out what Paul says in the epistles, that you are seated in Christ. That power, it's available, but usually we abdicate it. Too many times. So, Father, help us to push one another. Help us encourage one another. Help us edify one another, God, in our weakness, in our times of doubts, so that all the overthinking, all the overfunctioning will come to an end. And we'll find peace in each other and in you. something with you guys. <clears throat> um, so this came in my prayer time, um, just processing the things that um, that I was processing about. Um, just I'll just read it to you because I felt like God, I wrote this yesterday not knowing any of the message or anything like that, but I felt like 
God wanted me to share with you. The common question people have been asking me lately, people have been asking this question a lot. Am I being too spiritual for wanting to live for the kingdom first more than my own progression in life? Should I find a balance? The answer is that that is exactly what Jesus said to do that the Father already knows what we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. The lie of the enemy says you're too holy, godly, irrelevant, boring, conservative, innocent, naive, lame, and the temptation is to become more worldly, less spiritual for the sake of fitting in, having a balance to matter in the world. But God is always calling us to train, to become godly, to choose him always, represent him, and live for him because he matters. So Father, we pray we would inherit today the blessing as children of God as who we are. We are valuable and the beloved because we belong to you. No one else, nothing else can determine our value. You died for us and gave your life because of what we are to you and who we are to you. We pray, God, that through the course of the summer and through the course of this year, our identity we continue to be refined and we would find ourselves comfortable as the beloved of God, as the child of God. And I pray God that would resonate in our lives, that confidence and the fruit of the Spirit would come. Love, joy, peace, patience. And we would feel more peace in times of turbulence, in difficult times, and our light would shine. Will you bow your heads today for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. You can send your offerings via Venmo, Zelle, Chase QuickPay, or uh, PayPal. And if you're a visitor here today, we are so happy to see you here. And there is no financial obligation to give. But if you would like to make a donation, you can do so with the methods on the screen. Okay, next, we have all the ways uh, we can connect with God and others in the community throughout the week. Uh, We have our Bible reading group on IG at 180BRG, where you can join us anytime to read the Bible. We also have a number of other platforms, such as our church's Facebook page, Dr. Sammy's Twitter, our YouTube page, uh, where some of you are watching this right now, and also a few Instagram handles, as you can see on the screen. Um, 
So speaking of our YouTube page, the next two weeks, please don't come here because our service will be online. So if you come here, you will just be at the theater and none of us will be here. <laughs> uh, so um, you can stay at home or gather together um, and the service will be on our YouTube page at 12.15. So remember that the next two weeks. Okay, but if you are missing each other, miss you see, uh, you want to see each other, there's also small group where you can see each other during the week, right? Small groups are a great place to connect with others and go deeper into the message. We have various groups for different stages. Uh, so please see the screen. Um, I guess there isn't the day and time there, but uh, there are different groups meeting throughout the week. So you can either use the QR code there or ask uh, one of the greeters for more information. So in addition to the social media platforms and small groups helping us stay connected with each other, we also have books that can help us stay connected with God throughout the week. You can purchase the following resources for yourself or your loved ones at 180 Cafe outside. These include books for devotionals and also Dr. Sammy's new book, Holy Haunting, which could be a great tool to share God's heart with those who don't know him yet. Well, in addition to these books, we also have two more books on the screen. So please check those out as well when you are at the cafe. Um, same thing, you can buy them for yourself or for your loved ones. And while you're at the 180 Cafe, you can also check out um, other resources such as the 180 Merch. So the next screen has the pricing for some of the items. Uh, so there are hats, t-shirts, hoodies uh, in different colors and designs. And all the purchases mentioned so far are based on an honor system. So you can pick up your item and pay through the methods you saw on one of the slides before. Next, uh, a lot of us here probably know the power of prayer. And I hope that more of us can experience that. Um, so if you or anyone in your life has something to pray for, um, gather those people who can pray with you or for you. Uh, you can share your prayer requests by emailing prayer at 180church.tv and everything you share will be confidential and there will be a team praying for you on the other end. Next, so we have Pastor Lydia. Uh, she recorded a beautiful piano instrumental with some worship songs and it's now available on 180 Church Studio. You can check that out through iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. And this would be another great resource for us throughout the week. Okay, next. So these are the days for Day in the Sun. So actually, the next three weeks, we're not going to be here. Not the next two weeks. So the next two weeks, remote service. And then after that, we're going to meet at the park. So here are the dates. Save those in your calendar. Um, there is a one-time donation suggested be $400. So... There is that. You can see that on the screen. And next, for those of you with the heart to serve, there's there are a few options for you. So 180 cafe slash bookstore. We can always have extra hands helping us uh, wake each other up with a cup of coffee, tea, or with the books. <laughs> um, 
children's ministry, we always need help uh, to teach and you know play with these little members we have at the church to help them learn about God's love. For techies, please come and help us build amazing things online. And for greeters, whoever, if you know how to say hello, you are qualified to come and help us welcome people through the door. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's all of our announcements for today.